This is the Master Marketer Show, powered by Proofpoint Marketing. Each week, we explore the mindsets, skill sets, and tool sets the top B2B marketers use to drive results. Gain actionable insights, one masterful, revenue-generating success story at a time. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Master Marketer Show. Uh, today I've got Mark Colgan here with me uh, from Speak On Podcasts. And not surprisingly, we're going to be talking about speaking on podcasts. Specifically, it's a little bit of a origin story, I suppose, right, Mark, of how you started your current business um, by really kind of piloting uh, speaking on podcasts and kind of doing uh, using that as a PR strategy, if you will. So let's really jump right in maybe give us um set the stage a bit of you know the type of organization you're working in and why you know speaking of podcasts maybe give us a bit of a uh, time frame of when this was happening because obviously things evolve quickly and then we can jump into everything else we want to talk about cool thank you mike and uh, yeah really glad to be here so thank you um so speaking podcast is an agency but we also offer a productized service so it has a combination of both the agency model and a productized service essentially what we do is we help our customers get placed and booked on interviews where their ideal audiences are listening to. Um, we've been around for almost two years now, booked over 1,500 interviews for our customers. Uh, we actually plant a tree for every interview we book, so we've planted 1,500 trees as well. Um, That's a lot of carbon members. offset there. <laughs> there is, yeah, we're trying our best, we're trying our best. Um, 22 team members from all over the world, everybody's uh, remote, so we're remote first, so COVID uh, didn't really affect us too much in the sense of disrupting the way that we worked. Um, and yeah, my, my background is uh, B2B sales and marketing, have done that for about 13 years. And I do a lot of, uh, lot of uh, work and coaching on outbound sales. And really underneath the business, it is an outbound marketing or outbound sales motion that ha helps create these interviews for our customers. Awesome. So maybe tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, kind of how, why speaking of podcasts, I know you, when you and I spoke prior to the interview, you mentioned sort of the, the impetus was you tested this out at a previous, you know, mm -hmm. you're working for an organization that like you're the VP of sales and marketing, if I remember, or something like that. Um, yeah. So maybe yeah. talk, talk through that. What was the, how did this whole thing come to be, if you will? Yeah, sure. So um, in a previous company, I was the uh, chief revenue officer, so sales, marketing, product, customer success. And I had a bit of free time and I wanted to increase our brand awareness and just get our name out there a little bit more. Uh, f for context, that company did lead research and data enrichment, mainly for sales uh, and marketing teams. So... When I had a bit of free time, I started to look at some podcasts that I thought might contain the audience that I want to effectively sell to at the end of the day, or at least get my name and brand name in front of them. I reached out to a few different podcast hosts after I identified them, went with just one topic idea of uh, different ways to think about lead sourcing and triggers and events that you could look for, which no one was really talking about at the time. Um, but it was something that I developed whilst working at that previous company. Um, booked myself on the interview, so this is me doing it for myself. And in one interview in particular was on a relatively new and small show. I think he only had 150 downloads per per episode as it was quite new. Um, but the show was, I can't remember what it's called, it was Outbound Metrics or something similar to that. So everybody was tuning in to learn about how to get better at their outbound. And one of the ways you can get better at your outbound sales is have better data. So I went on, <clears throat> on there, spoke about these lead sourcing strategies and used anecdotes and stories of what customers uh, were doing at the time. Um, and from one, that one interview, I generated eight meetings and closed four of those into customers. 
Um, so yeah, that was the the genesis. And then I thought, okay, maybe I've just lucked out here. And maybe it was just a really good angle with a really good timing. So I actually reached out to a few friends of mine who are also founders of businesses. And I started pitching them onto different shows where their audience was listening to. And I managed to secure those slots for them as well. And I thought, okay, I'm onto something here. What can I do to do this at scale? And then the natural uh, progression was let's build an agency and have other people doing this, following the process, the systems, um, and the mindset, I guess, of, of the way that we approach our outreach. So I'd love to hear about, you know, well, I guess before I go there, what was the, when you were first testing this out in, in that previous organization, what, um, what was the time frame there? Are we talking a couple of years ago when when was this oh yeah so yeah so it was um just over two years ago so if we're may 2022 so i'd say it's probably february 2020 is when i was doing it it only took a couple of weeks to find the podcast and then start reaching out of course i only did it to a few people didn't do it uh, over scale and i also didn't follow up like we have i've learned now that follow-up is key um so yeah so just over two years ago got it I think it, the reason I ask is because, you know, it, it's podcasts were obviously established by then. It was a, you know, a solid channel, if you will, but mm -hmm. not as proliferated, I think, especially in the B2B space as they are now. Right. It's yeah. like, I think we're kind of, there's still lots of room to grow. It feels like in terms of mm -hmm. the number of podcasts is still small compared to whatever, like number of blogs is kind of what people usually compare it to. But yeah, um, I think that's important to note. I guess where I'm going with that is... Um, what's sort of the, the mindset that you have or that somebody needs to have when they're kind of exploring a new channel or territory, if you will, uh, like this, right? It's sort of unproven. You said you had some free time, right? So that, yeah. that means obviously, I would guess everything else is sort of going well and this is sort of, okay, great. Mm -hmm. This would be, everything I get from this will be gravy. Um, is that a requirement? You know, what, what sort of the, walk me through sort of the, some of the mindsets, if you will. Yeah. So I think the, the, the biggest mindset thing is just understanding that the way that B2B buyers, especially B2B buyers buy these days is completely different to what the marketing attribution and the software companies tell you. So um, I looked at the last few purchases from a B2B software point of view that I did, and I didn't download an ebook and I didn't um, go on their blog and I didn't subscribe to their newsletter. Um, I heard them on a podcast or I was in a community and somebody mentioned that company. I went to the website and I spent a considerable amount of time just flicking around looking at the integrations because I'm a lot more informed. So that was one of the biggest uh, shifts for me of thinking, okay, how do I get my name in front of the people that, I, that need to hear about me or that we could help? Um, because I know that just doing the, just continuing to do the ebook route and the blog post just wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna get there. I also didn't have a huge budget for paid ads either. Um, so that was something I was looking at something which was potentially a little bit more lean. Um, and then the other thing that I was thinking about is, well, I can go on a podcast, speak for 35 minutes, 40 minutes. That's a 3,000 word blog post or, or three 1,000 word blog posts. It's a ton of social media content. You can repurpose about 20 at least images or videos from each interview. And then the social media posts as well. So that's the content I can create. And then where can I distribute that content? My own social channels, uh, the post is gonna share it. I can use it in my newsletter. I can use it in my own sales outreach as well. So from one 30 to 45 minute conversation, I've got a ton of content and I've got, um, and I can leverage that content across all of the different channels that 
I've got because I've sat there before trying to think okay what am I going to write about now um, and I'm not the most gifted writer but I can speak and talk around the challenges and what you get with podcasts as well is that the host might ask you a question which you've never been asked before or it's a different perspective and you give an answer on the spot and uh, you're like okay that's, that's, that's a cool piece of content let's take that out and create a blog post from that six minute segment for example yeah for sure I mean, you're, you're speaking my language in the sense of we don't place people on podcasts, but we actually end up producing a number of podcasts for for our clients as part of the overall you know content strategy, and then doing all that repurposing, etc. I think the other yeah. uh, interesting thing you mentioned this is, uh, I guess, more tactical, if you will. But that question of what the heck am I going to write about, or even what am I going to talk about, I think is uh, an important one because that's where a lot of uh, you know, subject matter experts get hung up, right? They're in, they're in the weeds, they're doing stuff, especially, I mean, a lot of the organizations we work with are, you know, like professional services, like consulting groups and things mm -hmm. like that. Like their, their job is to out there and be billable and, you know, do all that stuff, not to yeah. figure out what content to write or even what content to speak about. But you mm -hmm. kind of create a, an interview situation and all of a sudden they don't, they're not the ones coming up with the topic and that's half the battle. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. And, when, when we work with our customers to kind of define what topics they're, we're going to be interesting and valuable to the audience, we, we steer clear of their product and their software or their service and their offering. And we talk about the challenges that they face. And three main questions that we send before the onboarding call is, what are the most common questions you get from customers? Um, what's obvious to you, but amazing to others. So when you tell people, they're just like, whoa, didn't think about that. That happens a lot. And I think we have a bias where we know a lot more than we actually believe we do. And then the third one, which I enjoy the most, is those unconventional opinions. So what's going on in the market that you don't agree with or what's the best practice that you disagree with as well? And just from asking those three questions and bullet pointing around four or five answers for each question, uh, you have close to 15 topics that you can then flesh out and pick and prioritize which one's going to be more beneficial. Well, you're going to have fun in our lightning round because that's at least a couple of the questions <laughs> we always ask. So, um, Awesome. So, you know, from a mindset perspective, it sounds like the main thing that you mentioned is, again, changing how you think about, you know, how does how does the today's B2B buyer actually buy, right? So mm -hmm. it's not about capturing the, the, the lead, if you will, capturing the contact info. Yeah. It's about getting your, getting the right piece of information out in front of the people who are at some point actually going to have a need or could have a need. Yeah. And, and honestly, Mike, it just felt like the right thing to do. From a gut feeling point of view, what what is the downside of me speaking about some success stories without being too pitchy in front of my ideal audience? Um, am I going to be able to 100% attribute everything from each of those interviews? No, but it's the right thing to do. So um, that was another kind of mindset. Uh, and, and, and finally, the, the third mindset I, I would say, and it's probably if we get into the tactics, I can share this, but... The point of our outreach is to make connections and start a conversation, not going direct with the pitch and trying to persuade somebody to take on the person that I was representing, even myself, or now our customers as well. So it's making those connections because another benefit of speaking on podcasts is that you can build relationships with the hosts. For example, Mike, if you have a customer who is looking to go and speak on other podcasts and that's not something that you offer, you might remember me and um, think about introducing them to me. And we see that time and time again, not only for ourselves, but with a lot of our customers. And sometimes the hosts turn into customers uh, for our customers too. Yeah, um, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, you know, one other thing I'm curious about is, um, you know, how do you sort of, 
I mean, you tested it, but if you're going to formally go out and whatever, you're a VP of marketing or whatever at another organization, or you're a CRO at another organization, how do you pitch this internally? Hey, we're going to spend X number of hours of internal time or X number of dollars with an external partner mm-hmm. um, doing this. Like, what's the, again, what's the mindset behind that? Like, what, what do you need to, how do you communicate and how do you get the, you know, the approval uh, yeah. internally? So a couple of things. I think the first thing to do is go to your CEO or the decision maker or budget holder, sit down with them and ask them, what was the last thing you bought for the business that you were involved in and how did you go about that? Um, what touch points with the brand and just almost do a mini interview with them, casually interview them and they'll start realizing that actually they didn't download an ebook or a white paper. Not to say that those things don't have a place, they're of course part of the marketing mix, but they're likely in a community and they saw somebody else mention the, the product or the problem and loads of people recommended a few different tools and three people said, yeah, uh, I like this tool. This one is the one that we've been using for the last three years, it's fantastic. So that's the first stage as well. The, the second part would be is to remember that actually speaking on podcasts is a branding and brand awareness play. Um, it helps you establish thought leadership and credibility in your industry. It's not directly a lead generation strategy. And oftentimes I'll have customers who book a sales call with me and they say, yeah, we want to generate leads. And I'm like, okay, there's other strategies that you should try out. Um, this isn't the right strategy for you right now because I don't want to have unhappy customers and I want to manage their expectations. So I think if you're in that position, um, remember that it is a brand awareness play and then go and have a look at your competitors, right? Just go and search for your competitor's name or a couple of the leaders at your competitor's company and see which podcast they've been on. Save that for later because you can go on those podcasts as well. But then ask yourself, can you afford not to be going on these podcasts when your two main competitors are dominating podcasting? Yeah, for sure. No, I think um, very similarly in this, you know, we've we've been on a number of shows and uh, it's, is there sometimes direct uh, impact? Yes, but it usually comes mm-hmm. uh, kind of, you know, through the back door, if you will, and then you find out, oh, this is kind of how it happened. You know, like if we have that for recruiting, yeah. uh, especially recently we were, on a, we were on a show where we talked about some of our open positions, et cetera, and then in speaking with a whole bunch of prospective candidates, either for now or for future, they oh, how did you find out about us? Like, oh, we heard you talking about on, you know, XYZ show. There you so, go. Um, you- so from from those interviews I did now two years ago, I still get LinkedIn connections requests, not not loads, but I still get the odd request, probably one one or two a month, where they say, "Hey Mark, just listened to you on the show two years ago." They'll even say, "Like I know it's an old show, but I'm just wondering if you're still working or involved in that because I have some questions because I really could, I really explained the the challenge and pain point they had." Uh, now I'm not in that position to help them, but I refer them on to onto the person that can help them. So it's an evergreen play as well, and it compounds over time, which is really hard when you're trying to track your ROI uh, in in a very short term uh, basis. And when it's um, as you say, quite uh, um, when you you have conversations with somebody, like if you've got a large sales team, are those sales team members writing down the fact that they mention podcasts? Probably not. So you're never going to be able to attribute it 100. percent Yeah. Definitely. And I think the, the last thing to call out here as we wrap up the, the mindset segment, if you will, is, um, you know, you talked about providing valuable insight and helping them solve the problem. You weren't doing a sales pitch. It wasn't it had nothing to do with your mm-hmm. company per se. Maybe you mentioned it. I don't know. I wasn't there, obviously. But like it was, yeah. it was you, you found a very specific pain point and you were talking about yeah. that pain point. And I think that's yeah, the other... I- 
whether you're going to have your own show and you're going to have more of a you know monologue style or if you're going to go on and go on other people's shows like that's a very important mindset to have like you're not there to sell you're not there to pitch for that matter forget the name yeah. of your own company in my opinion and just yeah like provide valuable information that's educational entertaining inspirational any combination of those three yeah and just think about that the, the host typically in most cases wants are there to provide value to their audience because valuable guests with valuable content make the podcast look good the host look good uh, and everybody wins so in the 99 percent of the of the podcast we work with the, the guests, the, sorry, the host is really looking for guests that can bring something different to their show. And oftentimes we'll have a look and see what the previous topics on the shows on the podcast were and say, oh, actually, there's one where somebody talked about, I'm going to make this example up, that uh, you should gate all of your content. We've got a customer who actually disagrees and here are the reasons why. Do you think your audience would be interested to hear on the other side of the the coin or the other side of the conversation and it's very hard for a host to say no because you tee it up in such a way that it's almost a no-brainer that's a perfect transition into you know what what are the skill sets that's one needs to have like let's assume you're a you know one-man marketing team we work with a lot of clients like that that's mm-hmm. um, you know one person marketing team in a very technical organization just to kind of set the stage. Sure. What skill sets does somebody like that need to have to run the strategy internally? Yeah. So you, first of all, you need time before you have the skill set because it can take a, a lot of time to do this. But you typically can break it down into three stages. The first is research and analysis. So you, not only do you do the research, you then have to work out, is this show relevant for me or the speaker that I want to get on, whether that's yourself or your, 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 one of your senior leaders. So you've got the research, then you need the copywriting. Um, and the copywriting is the most challenging part, is how do you craft emails that are going to get the attention of the hosts? Uh, Mike, I'm not sure if you know how many emails you get per week of people pitching you to be guests, but most hosts say it's uh, hundreds a month, uh, in, the bigger shows even more. So how are you gonna cut through the noise? And co- great copywriting does that as well. Uh, and then the other side, the, the other skill set you need is just diligence with admin and follow-up. Um, what you'll find if when you do this is every host has a different process. Mike, I think I've shared with you before that your process is very good. You give me all the information I need before, before the show. I can read the PDF that you send, I'm prepared. Other shows do not have that. Some shows don't even use calendar booking links. So um, you have to really be, and that's why it takes so much time and diligence to stay on top of it all because there's so many variations. And I I sat down and wrote hundreds of pages of uh, SOPs for the business when I first started and we're adding to them all the time. This scenario happened, that scenario happened. So yeah, diligence and attention to detail with those would be the third skill set, I'd say. So let's dive into maybe a few of those. Um, let's start with the research piece. Cause I think one of the things, you know, and I kind of look at this as a sales exercise to a certain extent, it's how do you create the list, right? Cause there's millions of podcasts out there, hundreds in each sub sub category even, right? And yeah. at least in most, how yeah. do you decide which ones to go after? Like what's the, what is that skill set? Yeah, so my answer to this is my, the same answer as when you think about sales and marketing, but you start with who else is talking to my audience? So who else is, talk, who else is selling the same product as we have or similar service to us? 
who else sells the service that happens or the thing that happens after or before? Like recruiters, for example, for me, are like a goldmine of, uh, of people to know because they often work with uh, a lot of different companies that you might be working with as well. But so who serves the same audience and who are those known names in those audience? I'm sure if you sat down, you could write down three or five uh, influencers, I guess, in your market. They're not famous on the street, but uh, in your industry, they would be. What events are going on for your industry? who's speaking at those events, which, which companies are sponsoring those events as well. And then you go into the, into the rabbit hole of like following all of these different paths. And that's where it gets a bit, a bit confusing. Um, but that would be a place to start. Who serves my audience and my competitors? Do, are my competitors speaking on podcasts? It might be worth going to have a look to see which podcast they've spoken on and then run that through the analysis of, is this podcast also good for me? Because it could have just been their mate. They could have been a friend and they were just doing their friend a favor. So it's not always a given that it's going to be the right podcast for you. So maybe even take it down one more level from there into, I guess, maybe even tool sets at this point. Um, maybe walk me through, like, what is your research process? Kind of step one, two, three, four. Like, yeah, what, sure. what are the things so, you're looking at? How are you finding the, I mean, are you, are you using things? Are you like looking through listen notes? Like what's the, yeah. what's the process? Yeah. So the first of all is come up with a hypothesis of what you're going to search for. What, what is your research um, strategy that you're going to take? Once you've done that, sometimes a simple Google search of best, uh, best marketers for industrial design, for example, will yield some results. But then you want to use a tool like Listen Notes. Uh, you can use the free version for most of this as well. We, we have the paid uh, tier, um, but really you can, you can get away with a lot with, with the free plan. And you're essentially qualifying a, um, a podcast like you would qualify a lead, really. So what you're looking for from a qualification point of view is, is this podcast still active? Does this podcast um, interview guests external? Because a lot of podcasts are just solo shows. Or when, in, when they do look like they have guests, it might be internal people from that organization. So it's not an external guest. How long are the episode lengths? Like, is a seven-minute episode going to really yield the value that, uh, that, that you're looking for? Um, and the frequency of posting as well. Most of the times, if a podcast only produces an episode once every three months, it's probably not going to have a large and a loyal following. Um, so that would be the qualification layer. And then when you're trying to determine relevancy, you're thinking of things like, who are the previous guests that have been on there? And are they credible? Are they known names in the industry? Are they more credible than me? Like if it's um, Elon Musk that's just been on the, the show, and you're not a uh, billionaire tech CEO who's buying Twitter, it might be quite hard for you to get on that show. So manage your own expectations, or as we have to do, manage our customers' expectations. Everybody wants to be on Tim Ferriss and the Joe Rogan show, but I haven't got any customers that are quite at that level where we could get them on there just yet. So maybe, um, maybe talk about that a little bit. I'm curious, because I can see, you know, even an internal person, if they've got a, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like, Lots of founders, especially tech companies, there's a lot of hubris, if you will. Um, yeah. And they might think like, oh, you know, I want to be, you know, I want to be on the Joe Rogan show or on the Tim Ferriss show or mm -hmm. whatever. There's a bunch of those other ones, right? And how do you manage expectations like that if you're working with in, uh, internally, let's just say? Yeah. So the first thing that I do, and I'm, I'm trying to think if I'm an internal uh, marketer or a person doing this, I would go and look to see if they've got any, if they've interviewed anybody else like your the speaker that you're representing that's one good way to say hey look it's great that we want to do that however they've not interviewed anyone like that we can try but just saying so you're managing the expectation that you're unlikely that for it to happen in the first place 
the other thing to to say um, or to to have a conversation around is like, yes, going on Joe Rogan could be good for you because millions of people listen to it. However, it's going to be extremely broad and very, very varied. Would it not be a better use of our time to speak on this podcast that has 300 of our ideal customers listening and listening on a, on a regular basis as well? Um, and also a lot of these big shows, um, if you are a brand coming on there and you're not a friend of the host or a friend of their circle of friends, they're oftentimes uh, pay sponsorships as well, ranging you know from 20,000 to hundreds of thousands because they bolt on newsletter blast outs and uh, adverts being read throughout several different episodes as well. So if you've got the budget, then maybe go for it. But if you're just looking to bootstrap this and, and reach out to Joe as a, as a as a solo person, um, it's, it's unlikely that it's going to happen. Definitely. Um, you know, it, you mentioned a couple of times, you know, f figuring out what, what the right list is and potentially focusing on more smaller niche podcasts. Um, how do you, again, how do you find them? Cause again, a lot of these, I mean, sure you can type in, you know, whatever industrial marketing mm -hmm. or something like that and the listen notes and you're going to get something or into, you know, like a spark Toro, but, um, how do you decide whatever, let's assume you get 30 different shows. How do you decide which one yeah. of those you're going to, and maybe the, let's assume they're all relevant. Are you going to go after all 30? Yeah. Like, well, how do you pare down that list to something manageable? Yeah. So we've qualified them. So we know they're active, they interview guests and they're relevant in the sense that they speak about the same topic and they look like they contain either all of the audience who you want to reach or a proportion of that audience is who you want to reach as well. Um, then really it's a combination Like we use around 12 different data points to determine which ones to prioritize and start with first. In some cases, if your person that you're the speaker that you're representing hasn't been on any podcast whatsoever, go on the smaller podcast. How can you determine the size, the small, medium, large uh, number of episodes? So if they've only got 20 episodes, it's likely that the podcast is relatively new and it's going to be easier for you to get on. doesn't mean it's a bad podcast. It's just as a good starting point for you to build up not only the experience of speaking on podcasts, but also the social proof, which you can leverage for the bigger shows. So number of episodes, um, ratings and reviews, the social media following of the host, the level of credibility of the previous guests that they've had on as well. Um, the interview length is another way. It doesn't really determine size, but gives an idea if they're hour long interviews, then there's a reason why they're doing an hour long. However, with a lot of the stats that I'm mentioning here, ratings and reviews can be bought social media views can be bought as well. So it's not about looking at one single data point, but looking at a combination of different data points to determine the, 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 the right podcast. But again, I go back to the point of relevancy above everything. That one that really generated the, the revenue for me at 150 people. Um, if I was looking at uh, some of my other numbers like website visits or Google ad spend, 150 sounds tiny, I'd be really annoyed with that. But it's a completely different medium. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of comparing it to other channels when it's just completely different. Yeah, that, that's that's so critical. I mean, people do that with a variety of channels. They do it with social as well, all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. definitely agree with that. Um, let's talk about um, the outreach itself, right? Because obviously that's a sure. that's a skill set all on its own. You, can, you talked a little bit about, you know, having the need to be a good copywriter, you know, things like that, that helps. But let, let's talk about outreach. Like, how do you, well, let's keep it simple. 
what's the process? Like, how do you decide what your outreach cadence mm-hmm. is going to be and, and, you know, which channels? Is it just email? Are you doing it on social? Like, what's, um, uh, how are you doing it? Yeah, we started off with just email and then we introduced social as well because not every, well, uh, everybody has an email address. Um, sometimes you can't find the email address um, in a GDPR compliant way, for example, and other times you send an email, never gets opened because they just ignore all pictures, but they might be more active on social. So first of all, once we've identified the right podcast, we then start to think about, okay, what is interesting or going to be of interest that we know about the host and the show that our customer has. So for example, when we work with our customers, we ask them, what are your hobbies? Who's the most famous person you've worked with? What mistakes have you made that you'd be quite happy to share? Uh, in one example, we found out that, well, our customer told us that they're like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and we knew that one of the hosts likes Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So we made that connection in the email, and that's how we stood out uh, in the crowd. It takes a lot of work. On average, we take around 45 minutes to write one email uh, per, per outreach, and we've got dedicated teams of copywriters that do this. Cadence-wise, we send one initial outreach, and we have four or five follow-ups. Uh, the follow-ups are very, very effective, and what we're doing in those follow-ups is just demonstrating the additional value that this person can bring to the audience and demonstrating that with usually with some social proof as well. I'd love to, maybe you can talk us through an example. Uh, and again, you can feel free to hide any names or any identifying information if you want, but I'd, I'd love to sort of hear an example. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll go through the example that I used to when I, I secured the interviews myself. So I saw that guest on who is a guy that I respect in the outbound sales world he's got some great content and me and him know each other um, so I messaged uh, the podcast host I'm gonna uh, butcher this a little bit Mike but um, I, I the email was something along the lines say hi Mike really enjoyed the interview with uh, with Jason um, actually his nickname is Jbay, so I use Jbay because I know that that's his nickname and the host is likely to know that as well. So really enjoyed the interview with Jbay, very valuable topics around X, Y, and Z. Find those most relevant, how do you find those most relevant prospects to begin with? I've worked, I've put, uh, put together 14 lead sourcing strategies that help people find those that are more likely to buy. Um, and I'd be more than happy to share some of these with your audience. Would you be interested in learning more? No, no, sorry. Would your audience be interested in learning more about these, uh, Mark? That was the initial email. Very short as well. Yeah. What about, um, I'm curious on some of the follow-ups. Like, what do those look like? Example would be, hey, hey, Mike, here's a previous interview I did. If I have a bigger podcast or a celebrity podcast host, I would include that because they're looking at it going, oh, well, if, uh, if Jeffrey's had Mark on his show, I might want Mark on my show. So that's another example of, of a follow-up. And the last one, Mike, and this is the extra level, we've actually created rap videos for some of our customers. And um, they, 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 there's a guy who's a, who's a rapper story as well. That stands out a lot uh, in the inbox too. Yeah, of course. Uh, of is course. there an yeah. example you'd be willing to share? I'd love to link to one them. of those in our show notes. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be great because I think that, you know, I think people Mm -hmm. forget about the entertainment aspect often on the B2B side. And again, I think everybody often thinks entertainment equals comedy, which is not always the case. Now, sure, maybe these are funny. Maybe that is the case, but it doesn't have to be, right? You can entertain people in a lot of different ways. And I think this is, I love that example. The other thing that's interesting to me is there, 
which I love in, in marketing. There's so many, um, like the, the frameworks transfer across a variety of applications. Like the, when you're, what you're describing here, obviously it's got very similar on the, on the sales side, but then also one of the things I was just talking with somebody recently is uh, like webinar follow-up. So you get somebody to sign up for your webinar. The typical thing is, Hey, don't forget to, don't forget to join us in a week. Don't forget to join us in three days. Don't, that's like, I don't need 15 reminders to tell me what it is. But on the flip side, if you say, oh, don't forget to join us to listen to so-and-so talk about this topic. And then, oh, this other person's also going to be talking about this topic. And we're going to be telling like, hey, tomorrow, don't forget to, you know, that this thing's coming up. And special guest by, you know, like you keep, uh, you know, dripping things that are valuable that someone go, okay, yeah, I will actually join the thing that I signed up for. You know what? You would be a valuable, uh, somebody valuable for my audience to, to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, all right, we've talked about the importance of research and you shared a lot of great, you know, uh, metrics that you look at to identify what, what the list is and pare it down. You talked about copy being important uh, and you talked about the, the follow-ups and, uh, and whatnot. Is there anything else? You mentioned admin as well. Is there anything else that's any other skill set that's critical around that admin aspect? track it so have a spreadsheet that like keep it simple we talk about a simple stick in in speak on podcasts and i often like throwing it show an image of a simple stick when thing when people are trying to complicate things like no hit it with a simple stick a spreadsheet works just fine um you'd want to be tracking the dates that you sent the initial outreach the planned dates you're sending the follow-ups a lot of companies actually automate the follow-ups as well mike we don't um just because there's so many variables i might send an email to you but you will have an assistant that replies it isn't doing the work that she she or he is supposed to do so we do it all manually which again takes a bit more time but it allows us to uh, offer a much more premium uh, experience for the hosts and for the customers so track everything keep statuses think about sent replied interested not interested just simple statuses like that one last question just think about what uh, because you're because you're talking about all this as manual how big is the average list size for for the outreach? It depends. So we do an initial research when we first get started with the customer. We see how, so that might be 30 or 40 podcasts. We see how we're tracking against those 30 or 40. Oftentimes the answer isn't send more emails to more, uh, to more podcasts. It's ten podcasts. Um, then a list of 30 to 40 is probably what you're going to need and you're going to need to give yourself a bit of time. So oftentimes we, uh, we finish a customer's campaign and a few months later or a few weeks later we get replies from hosts saying, so sorry, just caught up in my admin. 
we would love to have Brent on the show and we gift that to our customers. We don't charge them for those like one-off type things because we've already done the work and they've already paid us. But um, list size would be the message and just insert the podcast host name, the podcast name, because everybody else is doing that and it's very obvious when you do. Yep. No, I think that that's the reason I asked is because there's sort of, you know, putting my sales hat on, if you will, right? There's sort of two schools of thought. There's the, I'm going to go volume and I'm going to just blast everybody, mm-hmm. which again, like you said, doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really work in sales and yeah. it doesn't really work in podcast outreach, it sounds like, which is not surprising to me. Um, or you can go, okay, I'm going to really, I'm really going to spend my time and do the research up front, but because I'm doing fewer, I can spend more time really um, making these personal not just personalized yeah i'm just thinking of two campaigns that we're that are live at the moment we drafted um because the customer wanted us to do more than we normally do because he was he wanted to get shows quicker than normal so we drafted 18 emails sent 18 and we got nine replies within the first week so that's pretty good Um, another campaign uh, that we're working on at the moment we sent out 10 emails and got seven positive replies so that's a 70% um, positive reply rate. And I, it was a 90% reply rate. There was just one host that didn't come back to us uh, yet. And then the follow-ups kick in as well. Um, so yeah, the, the look, but what, go, what gets you those results is the detailed research, a really good understanding of the topics, really good understanding of the audience and amazing copywriting. I guess last but not least, we've kind of talked about this already, but tool sets. What are the what are some kind of your go-to tools or sort of must-haves that you think if someone's really going to maybe they're past the point of piloting it mm-hmm. they're going to do this on a consistent basis for their organization what tools do they need yeah so if you're doing it for your organization and you've got one or two different speakers um having google sheets or an air table an air table might be a bit better um if it's familiar and we're growing quickly and we need people to to be using the tools and sometimes a tool could actually be, one tool could be better, but it's harder to use. And what I've learned over the years is don't use the harder to use tool. So a spreadsheet or Airtable to track things, you obviously need to have an email account. Um, if you are gonna send these out in volume, I would avoid using your um, your main email. So if your, if your website is uh, speakonpodcast.com, then maybe send it out from speakonpodcast.io, just in case you get when they receive pictures and if you, especially if it's a good quality, they're just going to ignore you or say no, they're very unlikely to do a spam, but some people will, they have a bad day. Um, we use, uh, we also use HubSpot as a CRM, but we use it more as our tracker campaign tracker as well. So rather than um, a deal in HubSpot being a monetary deal, we have a campaign as a deal and that way we can see who's spoken to who, because whilst you might be the individual doing it now, if you're off sick or um, if you leave the company, you could use like a help desk software uh, as well, really, that, that that could work too. I love that. We actually, similar thing from uh, man, for managing guests. Mm-hmm. We use Pipedrive for SEM yeah. and we have a separate pipeline yeah. that we have for podcast guests and tracking like, um, you know, outreach started, mm-hmm. um, you know, did they say yes? Did they do the pre-interview? All that kind of yeah. stuff. So there's all, just like you would track sales stages, exactly. you, we track, uh, you know, guest interactions yeah. and then you're talking about doing the same thing, but notes is the is a big database probably the most comprehensive database of podcasts there's another tool called refonic 
Um, Refonic is quite an affordable tool. Uh, I think it's 99 or $120 per month. I say affordable, affordable in, in terms of the, the information it can give you. They claim to be able to share the uh, average episode downloads, uh, downloads per episode, but unfortunately it, that data just isn't available and it's kind of made up. Um, and they do say this is our best guess, so they're not saying this is accurate. Um, there's a podcast I listen to and they have 40,000 downloads per episode. And on, on Refonic it says 685 or something really low. In other times it under report, it over reports the, the numbers as well. So I'd forget about those numbers, focus on the relevancy. And then if you're just getting started out as well, you might want to check out a tool like matchmaker.fm. That lists other podcasts where hosts are looking for, for guests. But what you'll find is the majority of the hosts, sorry, the majority of the podcasts on there are new shows, quite small. And there's a lot of B2C as well. And it doesn't offer as much functionality as Listen Notes will when you're trying to search for things. It's interesting that you call that out because we actually, we tested it when we were launching our show and the caliber of guests that, were coming through were also not very good. Like we we had, I don't know we had a pretty bad experience with it. We yeah. stopped using it for a while now, but yeah, I I think so. So we've had a couple of instances where a host has replied saying we don't work with people who are using a booking agency. So our reply to that is like, okay, no worries, we're not going to take offense <laughs> to that. No worries. Um, do you mind if we ask them to contact you directly? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And <laughs> just like defeats the point. Um, but most of the time, when you are being represented by an agency, there usually is a qualification criteria that the agency has gone through. I'm speaking definitely as in our case, it probably is for others as well. Um, so hosts quite like the agency side sometimes because it's a little bit more organized and they're kind of pre-vetted in that a makes way. makes sense. Um, but it's not essential, Mike, I want to say. It's not, not essential to work with an agency. That makes sense. No, I don't think... That makes sense. No, I don't think... Just do it for themselves or for their organization, etc. So great. Well, we've talked about mindsets, skill sets, tool sets. Uh, I'd love to hear some of the results. I mean, obviously, you've got a lot of clients. What kinds of things are you tracking? Are you mm-hmm. getting any sort of, um, you know, is there a feedback loop that, that you guys have for, you know, hey, this is driving pipeline and revenue for us? Or where, where, where does that stop for you? Yeah, so we don't have visibility into the actual numbers, which is which is a shame. Um, but we do hear back from customers when, when we ask them. We probably should be a bit more proactive. I'll give a couple of examples um, from recent uh, wins from our customers. And we share it with the team as well, and the whole team celebrate it too, which, which is really nice. So a couple of our customers have group coaching cohorts, and they've had over 50% of their new signups into, that, into their new cohorts have said, I heard you on the podcast. Um, I wanted to, well, that's where I found out about you. Uh, other people report that they get calls that say, yep, yeah, I know what you do. I know how it works. Just how do I work with you? So a lot more warm uh, inbound leads who are ready to ready to purchase. From the SaaS companies, um, one of our customers closed their largest deal in terms of MRR, so monthly recurring revenue. And that was actually from the podcast host themselves before the interview even went live. Another customer closed a 70K deal. Uh, he's in the agent and marketing agency space as well from one of the podcasts too. Uh, one of our customers has a text message funnel, basically. So his call to action at the end of it is text the word automation to 5525, whatever the, the example is. And he's seen consistently higher numbers than he's ever had before. And it's compounding over time as well. But it does very much rely on what the customers are having yeah, set up sense. themselves as well. Perfect. 
Well, is there anything else you want to add? Anything that maybe that I didn't ask you about doing this uh, that makes sense to call out? Otherwise, uh, we can jump into our lightning round. Yeah, I would just say um, set your set your speaker up for success. So if you are doing this for somebody else, um, make sure they're prepared. Make sure that you do a practice interview with them. They, I know they're going to be busy, but you'll really be able to pick out if they're going to say something not necessarily wrong, but say something that isn't as powerful as or as impactful. Uh, have a very clear call to action if you're offering something. Also rehearse that and have that practice. Um, and yeah, just start. I think uh, you, all you're doing is uh, with the podcast interview, me and Mike are having a conversation. It's Friday evening for me. It's Friday afternoon for Mike. Just two people having a conversation. And I think a lot of people put podcast interviews on this big pedestal, but it's just a chat. Uh, two marketers no, having I, a chat. That, that's, that's all it is. I, like when we're getting our clients ready to um, start recording their shows, like at some point you just have to get the reps in. Like, and you know, we, mm -hmm. I like to start off, you know, like, Hey, let's do, you do, let's make episode zero, which is usually like a, you know, a three minute thing just about the show. Like, let's, let's do a little bit bigger, mm -hmm. whether we use the content or not, doesn't matter, but let's, you know, host and co-host, ask some questions, just get comfortable talking about some of these things and asking questions and exactly and what you're saying yeah. is the same thing, but from a, as an interviewee perspective, right? Yeah, so, so we coach all of our customers and we do a practice interview with them and then we'll listen to their live interviews and say, great interview, I feel like you need to pause a little bit more, give, breathe, let the host ask some questions, you spoke for three minutes nonstop uh, and your call to action needs to be a bit clearer at the end because I wasn't sure where people should go awesome. to find out more about you. So I think that's it. Let's jump into our lightning round. Um, what is sure, the main key... That you used to evaluate KPI that you used to evaluate revenue. What is something new you're looking forward to testing out this year? A marketing tactic. Um, ooh, what am I looking forward to? A marketing tactic. This isn't going to be very lightning, is it? Um, I think expanding the channels it's, it's outreach and just constantly exper experimenting with our outbound and seeing what we can do to send less emails and get more replies what is a marketing best practice you actually hate and you think needs to go by the wayside uh forms in front of all content uh what is your least favorite business word or phrase attribution what is your favorite business or marketing book? Scientific Advertising by Claude Hopkins. It's an old school book about the psychology of how you uh, how you advertise to people. We're still I have not heard that one in a long time. And actually, I, I, I have a copy. I think I'm going to have to pick that one up again and see what I've got highlighted from years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite? Favorite song to listen to at work or playlist? I listen to a lot. I listen to a lot of those kind of like lo-fi, chilled beats, coffee shop, YouTube videos. Uh, they just play for like two hours, but helps me kind of get in the zone awesome. and, and get through some. Uh, what is something that your LinkedIn network wouldn't know about you? I basically took all of my knowledge about cold email prospecting 
cold pitched my current girlfriend on Instagram. Okay, so this uh, is not worked. this is the end of the lightning round. There's a story here. How much do you how much are you willing to share? <laughs> yeah, no, no. So I, I saw her on a dating app. We didn't match on the app, but she had her Instagram. So I slid into her DMs using all of the same tactics that pretty much that I shared today about outbound and how you to make it personalized, make uh, yeah, make you make sure you've done your research. Um, uh, didn't ask for a very solid call to action. It was very soft. And uh, tomorrow will be our one year anniversary. So, so uh, speak yeah, on podcasts. Not only can you drive some drive some revenue, but you can also <laughs> find your uh, your life partner. Awesome. Well, Mark, this has been great. Uh, where can uh, people find you if they have questions? Yeah, sure. So um, you can find me at speakonpodcast.com. If you go to our blog, we've shared a lot of content. So if you are looking to get started, check out the blog. There's lots of different posts there. And there's a contact button on there as well. You can ask, you, you can book a call with me. I'm happy just to walk through your strategy. And if you're doing it yourself, that's completely fine. Uh, and if you want us to help, we can also do that as well. Awesome. So and I can, I can vouch stuff. for everything Mark's talked about because the reason Mark and I are chatting is because somebody on his team reached out on his behalf. And there's been a few others that are kind of in our, in our pipeline as well that I think your, your team's been reaching out to us for. So you guys do good work. That's awesome. That's awesome. Great to hear. Thank, Thank you, Mark. This has been great. Thank you very much. All right, take care. Bye. Thanks for joining us on another episode of The Master Marketer Show. We'll be back next week with more B2B marketing success stories. Visit our website, www.proofpoint.marketing, for the full episode library complete with show notes, guides, templates, and more. Make sure to follow Proofpoint Marketing on LinkedIn and YouTube so you never miss an episode. Listen every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.